thank you all for tuning in. And I don't know about y'all, but I think the last one that I did was pretty good. It got really intense. I was like, oh, stay focused, stay focused. And of course, I didn't touch my paper. So, so I think I'm gonna touch this paper today. So this, these, these are my notes. I'm gonna touch this note today. Amen. But I thank God. I do. I thank God for another opportunity to be able to come into your homes and to teach and preach you the word of God um, concerning marriages. And again, and again, I know some of you may feel like um, well, I ain't getting married, so I ain't finna watch this. But you may be watching this, okay? And you may be saying, I'm not getting married or there's nothing wrong with my marriage or I'm seasoned in my marriage. Help somebody else, you know? Um, call somebody on the phone and be like, hey, you need to tune in to um, this station here or you need to listen to this. So I'm going to record this and I need you to come by because you may be encouraging somebody and they may be not listening to you, but they may be entwined to hear it from somebody else. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, hold on. I'm on a water journey, you guys. Yes, I'm on a water journey. So, so listen. So, with all that being said, I, I just I thank you all. We I talked about last week. I talked about divorce. I talked about what's an option by God and what's a what's a choice by man. And I just want some of you to understand that if you really want a healthy marriage, you have to work on you. You have to get yourself together. You have to. Um, work on those things that you may have. Everybody doesn't have a problem. Everybody don't have the same issue. Everybody has something different. We all need to be delivered in some form, way, or, or fashion. Some form of fashion that we need to be delivered. Uh, uh, you may need to be delivered the way that you think. You need to be. You may be delivered in the way that you know you handle money. You may be delivered. You may have to get delivered in um, you know cheating. You know whatever it is. You have to be able to find yourself a way out so that God can bring you a way in. So God can give you a way in. If you can find yourself a way out, then God will find a, a, way, for, a way for you to, to, to be brought in. Now, I can't even remember what I said on last, but the point of the matter is you, you have to want to get yourself together. And, and that's just what it is. You, you have to ask yourself... Am I really doing what is necessary? Am I am I making those sly comments? Am I making those petty comments? Am I bringing up things that I know that I shouldn't? Am I embarrassing them in public? Am I um, allowing them to? Am I allowing my husband to be the head of the household? Am I pushing my husband to be greater? Um, you know, am I am I treating my wife the way that she deserves to be treated? Am I treating her like a queen? Am I am I providing for her like she like I need to be the provider? You know, these are just some of the things that you need to you need to be asking yourselves. What is it that you're not doing, and what is it that you should be doing? What is it that you're saying that you should be saying, or was it what is it that you're not saying that you shouldn't be saying? How are you treating your wife? How are you treating your, your husband? Are you getting naked together so that God can clothe you properly? That's the thing. Are you working on yourself daily? Are you praying? Are you fasting? Here's what you have to understand. Matthew, and this is up to my spirit, and then we'll go ahead and pray. But Matthew chapter 17, listen to this story about a, dem a demonic boy being healed. Listen to this. 
uh, Matthew 17, 14, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and oftentimes into the water. The man says, I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Jesus said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Jesus said, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and the devil departed out of the boy. And the child was cured from that very hour. So the disciples didn't ask Jesus in front of the people, in front of the multitude. The disciples came and, and pulled Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus answered the disciples, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. But verse 21 says, how bit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. If Jesus just told them that y'all are a faithless and a perverse generation, and he told, he said it to everybody, how long should I be here? That's why when Jesus said to them, um, because of your unbelief, Jesus is like, okay, I've been with y'all for a while. You've seen me do miracles. You've seen me do wonders. You've seen me heal. You've seen me delivered. You've seen me cast out. What are you learning? What are you, what are you learning? How long shall I be with you? I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to help you. What are you not getting? What are you not understanding that you have faith? That all you need is faith as a grain of mustard seed. And you can speak to whatever that you need to be moved. You can speak to whatever that needs to be healed. You can speak to whatever that needs to be delivered. But if you're not fasting, if you're not praying, and you don't have the belief that you can and that Jesus will... Then, it, you're, you're, then it's not. It won't. What are you speaking in Jesus' name? What are you doing in Jesus' name? How are you walking in Jesus' name? I'm still talking to the married folk. I'm still talking to those who have a desire to be married. I'm talking to those who are divorced and want to be remarried. What are you not learning what are you not doing? What are you not getting? When everything that you need is in the word of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Listen to this. Deuteronomy. And I believe it's 33. Deuteronomy. Listen to this. Listen, Deuteronomy, and I believe it's 30. I want to say it's 30. I thought it was 31. Let me see. Here it is, yes. Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting at the 11th verse. For this commandment which I command thee this day 
It is not hidden from you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? But here's the thing. Again, Jesus, God sent his only begotten son to this world, to this earth, to walk, to teach us, to show us, to help us. He taught parables. He healed. He delivered. He cast out devils. He caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear. So for the disciples to say, well, why is it that we could not cast out that demon out of that boy? And Jesus was like, because of your unbelief. You're a perverse generation. All you need is have faith as a grain of mustard seed. And you can speak to that mountain and cause it to move over yonder. But he basically was saying, what, are you fasting and praying for you to speak are you fasting and praying to have faith? So, again, we don't have to go to heaven. It, who shall go up for us to heaven? No one. We have it right here on earth. 13 says, neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it us that we may hear it and do it. And 14, but the word is very nigh unto you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it the word of god cannot be in your mouth the word of god cannot be in your heart it, you cannot do the word of god if you're not reading the word of god and you don't just need to read the word of god you got to apply the word of god lord have mercy psalm psalms look, look, look at this psalm 37 let me help you out Psalms, for one, Psalms 34 and 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord continues to deliver them out of all of them. But listen to what Psalms 37 says. Let me just go there. Y'all know this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Psalms 37 says, and verse 4 and 5, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth the righteousness as the light and the judgment as the noonday. So if you trust in the Lord and do good, you will dwell in the land and you shall be fed. If you delight yourself in the Lord, then he'll give you the desires of your heart. And if you commit your way unto the Lord and you trust also in him, he'll bring those things that you desire to pass. So when you look at Hebrews, thank you, Holy Spirit. When you look at Hebrew, chapter 11. When you look at Hebrew, chapter 11, verse 6, what does it say? Hebrew 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that continues to come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if Jesus said that your faith has to be as much as a mustard seed, you still got to believe that he is and he'll reward you that you're diligently seeking him. 
So you so are you naked together as husband and wife? And that no one is coming in between you two, separating you as husband and wife. It doesn't, and some things is not infidelity. They may not be separating you because of infidelity. They may be separating you because of uh, finances, the children, attitude, behavior, jobs. Infidelity is not the only thing that causes separation in a marriage. Stepchildren can cause separation in a marriage. Parents can cause separation in a marriage. Friends can cause separation in a marriage. The ungodly can cause separation in a marriage. Not having a place to worship the Lord can cause separation in a marriage. Finances can cause separation in a marriage. Ex-husbands, ex-wives, ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends can cause separation in a marriage. Homosexuality can cause separation in a marriage. Ungodly behavior can cause separation in a marriage. So not just someone cheating can cause separation in a marriage. Negativity can cause separation in a marriage. Political views can cause separation in a marriage. So many things. So many people, so many places can cause a separation in a marriage. Why? Because no one wants to come together, have conversation, make decisions together, stand together, follow together, lead together. Well, is if the head is supposed to be the head then how can we stand together if he's supposed to be the head of the house? That's how you're standing together. When the man, I, I said this, I want to say a few weeks back, I said this, when the woman knows her role, the man will be his role. The man will be his role when the woman knows her role. And it's not about, thank you, Holy Spirit, and it's not about, it's not about who can put their pants on better than the other? My husband said it some weeks ago. When the man lines up and get him and get himself back to the rightful place with the Lord and start communing with the Lord, start walking with the Lord, start having conversations with the Lord, eating with the Lord, sleeping with the Lord, connecting with the Lord, everything concerning that man will line up concerning the word of God. Because he will now love God so that he can love his wife. He can now respect God so he can respect his wife. He can now relationship with God so he can relationship with his wife. It starts from the head and works its way down. The umbrella, you have God. Then you have his son. Then you have the Holy Spirit. Then you have the man of God, the woman of God. Then the children. In that order. In that order. But until order comes to order, there'll be no order. Until order comes to order, there'll be no order. Until order comes order, there'll be no order. So therefore, if Psalms 37 and 34 says, 
wait on the Lord and keep though and keep wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off you shall see it but you got to work together you got to be on one accord you got to walk in unity you have to walk in unity why because the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. And he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. When you trust in God in every direction that he places in your life, your faith will be increased. Your help will come. Jesus said, I am the right now present help in the time of trouble. Do you believe that? It's what you believe. I heard Jamie Foxx tell a man on a movie, it's not what you believe, it's what you know. But God says it's not about what you know, it's what you believe. Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's what you believe, not by what you know. How can I say that? Lord, have mercy. Because Hebrews chapter 12 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto the looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then you have Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And verse 3 says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So at the end of the day, it's not what you know. It's what you believe and what you should know and how you should know it. Just like that. So there are so many marriages that are falling apart because the marriage lacks faith. The spouse lacks faith. And I hear it in the spirit even right now. Well, I don't believe that because I, I, I think I think my faith is is pretty strong. But the thing about it is now ask yourself, do you put stipulations on your faith? Do you give a timetable to your faith? Or do you wait on God because of your faith and you don't put a time limit on God when he's going to do it? And while you're waiting on God, what are you doing in the wait? while you're waiting what are you doing in the wait while you're waiting on the Lord Matthew 17 
I just read it, 2021. Are you fasting? Or are you praying? Are you fasting? Or are you praying? That's the key. Not just fasting and praying, but believing what you're fasting. Believing what you're praying for. What are you believing for? Through fasting and through praying. Listen. Uh, James. Philippians. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Philippians. Listen. Philippians chapter 4, I want to say. Or it may be 3. But uh, Philippians. I think it's Philippians 4. It is. Yep. Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So while you are praying and making your supplications with thanksgiving and letting your requests be made known unto God, here's what you also have to have within your heart and within your mind. Brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, what it, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Paul went on to say over in verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He said in 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He said in 14, notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. My, my affliction. He said in 15, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Ephoritis the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And 19 and 20 right here. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
And what you have to understand that Paul began to emphasize on this because of the loving care of God, the father that he has for his children. You got to know that God will meet all of your need concerning your marriage. Whatever you need in your marriage, God will bring and provide the need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you're thinking on those things that are honest, if you're thinking on those things, listen, if you are thinking on those things, if you are thinking on those things that are true, thinking on those things that are honest, that are just, that are pure, that are that are lovely, that are of good report, if you are thinking on those things, if you're if you're wanting to be learned, if you're wanting to 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 accept what needs to be given, whatever your need is, he's going to supply that need. And what you have to understand is this: what you give to the support of a of a of a faithful husband or a faithful wife, or what you give to an unfaithful husband or to an unfaithful wife. But if you've given it to God and you're allowing him to do it, he's going to provide your marriage with everything that it needs. And he will strengthen you. He will strengthen you while you're waiting on him to do it. That's the key. That is what you have to understand. That what is done for one of the least God is also doing it for the greatest. So you may feel like your husband is the least and wife, you're the greatest. Husband, you may feel that your wife is the least and you're the greatest. Either way, you have to be on one accord. You have to be one. You can no longer live single lives and you're married. Because what the Lord does for you, he does for himself as well. So, in y'all's union with Christ, you have to build the fellowship together with him so that you can experience God's provisions. So that you can experience those. So, listen. Again. Without God, you can do nothing. But with God, you can do all things. That is what you have to understand. Some of you may not understand it. I read last week, Matthew chapter 19, right? When I talked about um, some will receive it and some won't. That's, that's a serious statement that I believe that Jesus needed to put in there. Because everybody does not agree on that statement. Listen to what I'm saying. If Jesus said, he that is able to receive it, let him let him receive it. Why do you all think that he put that in there? Because he knew, just like the Pharisees, just like the Sadducees, just like the priests who was wanting to just put their wives away and go on and marry another one. Because he knew that people would rather get a divorce than to suffer long. That people would rather get a divorce and walk away and just be done with it because they didn't want to endure. They didn't want to have patience. They didn't want to trust God. They wanted to trust what they could see. That And, 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 and the word of God is telling us if we surrender everything concerning him to him, 
He said it in his word. Listen. Listen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Listen. In um, 1 Peter. Thank you, Jesus. Listen in 1 Peter chapter 5. Listen. 1 Peter chapter 5. The elders which are among you, I exhort. This is Peter speaking. Who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lurker, meaning not for many, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in, in examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that will not fade away. He said in verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. So in verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he continues to care for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. So whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the grace of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So some of you are saying, well, what does that mean? That means that your, your Christian life, he cares about your Christian life. Jesus cares about your Christian walk. God cares about your marriage and the things that you're going through and the things that you are doing in it and the things that you're not doing in it. But even in all of it, he cares for you. But are you giving it to him and leaving it there and then having patience for him to turn that thing around, for him, for that thing to shift? So it's not going to be a reoccurring cycle. And those generational curses can be broken. Right? So listen, I'm going to read this right here. Um, elders or overseers or pastors or leaders. And I like to use this for, for you know, obey those that have the rule over you. Is your husband, your, your leaders, your pastors, your, your overseer, whatever. But have the responsibility of caring for believers, disciplining them, feeding them with the word, and guarding over their souls. Now, let me say this. When God, when God, when God touched my marriage for the second time, and I made a conscious decision, and, and I can be honest, come May 21st of this year, my husband and I will be married 28 years. And I am so glad about it. I can literally, 
and honestly say that our 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 these last 18 years has been our greatest fruit. Yes, we've had some struggles. Yes, we've had some disagreements. Yes, we've had some falling out. But because of what God has taught us and what God has shown us and the decisions that we've made, the conscious decisions that we've made to trust God, even in the struggle, to trust God, even in the disagreements, to trust God, even in the verbal abuses, to still trust God, to trust him. We've learned how to talk to one another. We've learned how to respect one another. We've learned how to um, to treat one another. But it was through God. And it was through our our will to do so. It was through the, the, the want to. This is what I want. This is my desire. I choose to have a great marriage. I choose for it to be healthy. But you're going to have some people that are going to be like, man, I'm not doing all of that. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting for him to get together. I'm not waiting for him to treat me right. I'm not waiting for her to, to make me food or, or have sex with me. I'm not waiting. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to find somebody else going to give me what I want. And what happens? Sometimes you find yourself jumping out of the frying pan and going straight into the oven. And that's why you see marriages that are married two times, three times, four times, five times. Because they're not realizing it's not about the person. It's sometimes about you. Where are you at? What are you doing? How are you handling these things that are coming against you? How are you handling your spouse that's coming against you? How are you praying? How are you fasting? And for those who are not a believer, for those who are not a believer, for those who are sinning and they don't have the Lord, still and all, where is your respect level? What are you accepting? What are you allowing? When you know this person was beating on you before you got married and you married him anyway, thinking it was going to change. So you have to ask yourself, you, have, you need self-care. Self-care will say what I'm not going to accept, what I'm not going to allow, what I'm not going to take, what I'm not going to put up with before I say I do. So in those times of, that y'all are um, dating and, and you're together and then you, you'll say, no, I'm not marrying you. You're not ready. If the man is, is, is verbally abusing you and you're not married yet, you're not ready to be married. If they're physically putting their hands on you and you're not married yet, you're not ready to be married. If there's a disagreement that you just can't get past and it's the same old issue day after day, time after time, month after month, year after year, you're not ready for marriage. It's not going to change when you get married. It changes before you say I do. Then, when it changes before you say I do, and if those things come around while you're married, you'll know how to handle them. You'll know how to trust God. You'll know how to pray. You'll know how to fast. You'll know how to receive deliverance. You'll know how to seek God first. I know it, and it's not something that I heard, but the things that I have endured, that's how I know. The Word of God holds my marriage. My husband doesn't hold our marriage. I'm his wife. I don't hold our marriage. The word of God holds our marriage. We're naked together. We go through together. We fight together. We no longer bring the outside in to uncover us. If we uncover ourselves. God will, uh, God will cover us properly. Listen, hear what I'm saying. 
Humility should be a hallmark, a hallmark of all God's people. It means an absence of pride, an honest awareness of one's weaknesses, and the disposition to ascribe to God and others the credit for what one is achieving or has accomplished. The word clothe in Greek is ekomabuma. <laughs> means to attach a piece of clothing to oneself. In the New Testament times, slaves fasten a white piece of cloth or apron over their clothing so that others would know that they were slaves. Peter exhorts us to tie the cloth of humility on ourselves in order to be identified as believers in Christ and to receive God's grace and help. Peter may have had a mind uh, had a, had in mind Jesus' action of of tying on a towel and washing the disciples' feet. God cares for the afflictions of every one of his children. A truth emphasized throughout his word. All our fears, anxieties, and concerns must be decisively given to God. You have to. You have to. Humility. I, I, I talked about James, I think, earlier or last week. But let me let me explain to what James four actually really actually really really what, what goes on with James. Listen, James chapter four, okay, um, starting at the fourth verse, James four and four, and I'm gonna read from there. And this is what God is talking about having a friendship with the world. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That right there, God is not telling you to hate people. He's telling you to hate the things concerning of what the people are doing. You don't hate the person. You hate the sin. You hate the thoughts. You hate the mishaps. You love the hell out of the people. That he's not telling you to hate. I, I saw I saw my post that said, "Yeah, God had hate even in the beginning." He tells us that we ought to hate people. No, he said, "Hate the world." We're not the people. Is not the world. The people is the people. The people are human. You are not. You are to hate the things that God hates. Period. If he doesn't like adulterers, don't be an adulterer. If he doesn't like adulteresses, don't be the adulteresses. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusts to envy, but he giveth more grace? Wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble? Seven, submit yourselves, therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not from them. Free from you. We think that the enemy can't reside in us. We think that the enemy won't use us. We think that the, we think that Satan is not cunning. I, we read it in the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. Satan is subtle. He's conniving. He's manipulative. 
He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's the prince of the air. He's your adversary. He comes to destroy you. He comes to kill you. He comes to 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 uh, 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 steal from you. And he wants to destroy marriages. Satan wants to destroy marriages because marriages is a great thing for God. It's his covenant. It's his commitment. It's a connection. It's unity. Satan doesn't want us to be humble. So if we have pride, we need to resist the devil. Because pride will lead to destruction. Pride come before a fall. Warning come before destruction. Listen, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judges his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you that judges another? Who are you? Who are you that you judge in other marriages? Who are you that's judging other husbands? Who are you that judges other wives? That you can tell somebody, just get a divorce. That's not of God, and that's not the law of God. No one has a right to tell somebody to get a divorce. That goes against God's law. That goes against the word of God. You can help them see and make a decision that's best for them concerning God. And if they don't know God and they don't know, they don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, then you still can't tell them to get a divorce. Those decisions has to be made by them and them alone. You don't know. Listen, you listen, Lord have mercy. People, you only know what people tell you. A wife will go and talk about her husband to somebody, but the wife will never talk about what she did, what she said, what the hurt that she brought. A husband will go tell another woman, my wife has done this and my wife has done that and my wife won't sex me up and my wife won't cook dinner and my wife won't take care of the kids and my wife won't do this. Okay, then somebody asks question, husband, what are you doing? Why is she not doing these things? But you know what we do? We sit back and we soak in all that stuff and we give them wrong advice. We send them in the wrong direction. We don't sit to help. We sit to hurt. Especially some people that are jealous and envy that you're not married. And I still don't understand because I did it myself. You go to people who are not married and you're getting advice. Why? Why? Why would you go to anybody who is not married to get advice? They can't give you marital advice. They can't help you with your marriage. They can't. And if anybody tells you that they can't, I tell them that you can't. You can tell me whatever, but you're not helping me. You, it's about testimony, examples. Are you living it? Have you lived it? That's the key to are we naked together? 
if we're naked together, we're not going to let anybody on the outside see our nakedness. If we're naked together, we're not going to allow the outside to separate us, to cause others to see our nakedness. We should only be go we should only be gravitating or going to others that God that we are praying and we're fasting together that God will send us someone that will help us to grow, not to help us to go our separate ways. That we are to grow in the way of the Lord, not to go in the way of the world. When we are saved and we have a relationship with the Lord, we follow the law of the Lord. His word of God. We do things that are righteous. Holy. So even if we pray and asking God to send us someone. Sometimes God just out of the blue would just send you somebody. It could be a stranger that could just speak a word. That's why it's so much easier when you can talk to a stranger rather than talking to somebody that you know because uh, judgment, judgment, let me just, judgment. Everybody want to judge you. What you do wrong? Why'd you do that? Why'd you go there? Girl, what's wrong with you? Man, why'd you do that? Judgment. But Galatians chapter 6, it's my last scripture. Until next week is the final, um, final part of Are We Naked Together? Galatians chapter 6. And I pray that, in, that as every, every scripture that I have given that you go back and you reread it, you restudy it. You get clarity. You build your relationship with the Lord. But Galatians chapter 6, starting at the first verse. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... You which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall also that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting and let us not be weary and well-doing for let us not be weary and well-doing for in due season we for in due season we husbands we wives we shall reap if we faint not as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith.
it is the duty of all who are taught God's word to help provide material support for those who instruct those who are worthy of support include those in the fivefold ministry and faithful teaching leaders to refuse to give support if means are available is to sow selfishness and reap destruction to give to those who minister in the word is a part of doing good to those who belong to the family of believers. So in due season, we shall reap both rewards and eternal life. We must not refuse to give support. We must not refuse to give support, to help our brethren, to help our wives, to help our husbands, to help men and women, to restore them back to their rightful place as a husband, as a wife, concerning their marriage. Not to judge them, not to put them down. Because guess what? Where it says, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. One day you may find yourself in a place in your marriage being attacked. And you're going to want or need someone to help figure out what to do. What is happening? What is going on? Just because you may have a great and perfect marriage right now does not mean you won't have one in years to come. And you're going to need help. You're going to need support. You're going to need guidance. You're going to need direction. And you're going to and you're going to need to understand that God's word is not mocked. It it helps them. It will help you. It will help you. It will help others. The word of God is going to be here whether we're here today or gone tomorrow. The word of God will continue to go on. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against, their, against such there is no law. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory. Let us not be provoking one another. And let us not be envying one another. We ought to be loving each other. We ought to be loving our husbands and loving our wives. Not provoking them to cheat. Not to provoke them to lose their job. Not provoking them to be angry. Not provoking them to be misguided but provoking them to love even more today than yesterday. Pro being more pro provoking them to be greater, to do more. And you're doing it together. 
one step at a time, one day at a time. Let nothing separate you. Let no one separate you. Cleave to each other. Be naked together, helping one another, leading one another, pushing one another, not tearing one another down, getting what you need, getting what you need. Amen. So back to Genesis chapter three. Listen, back to Genesis chapter. I stopped at um, 20, but listen to what 21 says. And I am reading further down. Uh, Genesis 3, 20, starting at the 21st verse and reading down to 24. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us. To no good and evil and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever therefore the lord god sent him forth from the garden of eden to till the ground from whence he was taken so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. That right there, God has been so good to us. God has been so good to us from the beginning up until present. I know there's a lot of marriages that are being betrayed I know there are a lot of marriages that are being hurt. I know there are a lot of marriages that has so much in them and the wife or the husband don't know what to do, don't know what to say, don't know how to act, don't know how to handle anything that's coming their way. But you must learn how to fast and pray. You must learn how to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. You must learn the importance of marriage and what God intended it for it to be from the beginning. He wants his marriages to go back to the, its original design. He never intended for the husband to be over the wife. His intentions was for us the husband and the wife, for us, for you, to walk together, to be free, to be open, to not have to worry about all this extra stuff, but because of the enemy, because of Satan, because of the enemy, and now today, because of people who don't want to see people married. They don't want to see them happy. They don't want to see them rejoicing. They don't want to see them having nothing. You have women in this world 
that their main goal is sleeping with married men. And you have men in this world, their main goal is to destroy women. Why? What is the root? What is the purpose in that? What is the plan in that? That their flesh allows them to do that with no conscience, with no remorse, with no forgiveness, with no love, nothing. So the true righteousness of marriage, the true wife, the true husband, we have to continue to, to, to teach the true intentions of marriages. We have to continue to teach the, the true value of the, 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 the vows, the true value of promise, the true value of a vow, the, the, the true intentions of covenant, commitment, faithfulness. That's the key. Are you naked together? Because you are one or are you uncovering one another? Because you are two. So on next week is the last teaching of Are We Naked Together? I want to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank you all for um, following me as I follow the Lord. For those of you who might turned, whoever might have tuned in late, and this might be your first time watching, I am Elder Serena Holloway. Um, I have a deliverance ministry marriage ministry that's titled when i do turns into i don't the wows of the vows i'm teaching from the wows of the vows in different areas in different areas my goal this year is to help restore marriages my goal this year is to help marriages be healthy respectful to help each wife each husband to learn who they are to learn who they are, what, what's in them that needs to, 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 to go away, to resist the devil from them, to purify their hearts, to cleanse their hands, so they can be the, the, the faithful husband, the submissive wife, that they'll walk together, they'll be on one accord, the wife no longer ruling the husband, and the husband no longer trying to rule the wife. But they're standing together, reverence one another, obeying one another, being submissive to one another, caring about each other's needs. So I thank you for tuning in to Can We Talk About It Live? When I do, turns into I don't, the wows and the vows. I am Pastor Serena Holloway, and I thank you for tuning in. Know that I love you, and God loves you more. <laughs>